to a new book today. It's a new study. Go to the Old Testament and find Haggai. I'm going to give you a lot of time. He's a minor prophet. <laughs> I know some of you. Haggai, Haggai, how are you? No, that's not it. That's not it. Hag- Look in the Old Testament. If you've got to use the front of your book, that's okay. That's okay, guys. We'll give you time. But this is a minor prophet, but it's going to be a major message. How about that? All right. Give you some time to get there. While you're turning, trying to find that, let me just say this weekend's been a great weekend thus far. I uh, appreciate all the uh, work that went into the ladies' event. For those of you who came out, I uh, appreciate all that went in uh, to that on Friday evening. I know it was a great time. And so appreciate all that behind the scenes that went on uh, to make that possible. And for those of you who were able to participate, uh, it was a good, good Friday evening. And then not to be outdone, the men gathered on Sunday, I'm sorry, on Saturday, and it felt like we were probably there till Sunday because I don't play golf a lot, but 18 holes later, after the heat stroke, um, it was a good day though. We had about a dozen guys show up, and that's not bad for our first outing. Appreciate Chandler and Bryce getting that stuff together, and we're looking forward to some more opportunities. A lot of you men were there, some of you weren't able to make it, but that's okay, we're going to have some other opportunities, and I hope you'll come out. It does not matter if you do not know how to play the game of golf. I was there. <laughs> so, trust me, we play best ball. And the reason why I like that, you know, like Super Bowl, is because all I have to do is hit one shot all day long. You hit one good shot, you're the hero. So, next time, doesn't matter, come out, you might be surprised. Every now and then, you might sit, you know, sink a putt. So... Uh, if you can come, we'll get you some more information on the next opportunity. All right. Say again, sir. I'm, I, I won't show up. It's golf. Yeah, I never show up when it's golf. So, guys, um, this new study, again, I've been praying about for some time, when to make that transition. You guys know how we operate here. For those of you visiting, let me kind of give you Pulpit Ministry 101. We believe in book studies here. I believe that's the way God intended for His Word to be read. I believe that's the way God intended for His Word to be studied. It's not taking a verse and pulling it out of context, taking a verse over here and pulling it out of context. No. You don't read the love letters from your wife. Ladies, you never read the the love letters from your husband that way, where you just pull out one sentence and ignore the rest. No, you read the whole context. And so we believe in context, context, context when we study the Bible. We take a book at a time. We typically rotate New Testament study, Old Testament study, New Testament study, Old Testament study. Because again, we need the whole counsel of God. God's word from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, is a common thread of grace. It is a common narrative. There is a unique one thread that goes through all the way through Scripture. And so to understand that narrative, we've got to understand the whole of Scripture. And so that's why we do that this way. In between studies, you guys know I like to hit topical studies. That's about the only time I don't really like hitting topical studies. But we do that in between. That's the time I like to do it because it's usually brief. And so we'll hit those in between. We just finished up some topical studies. Here we are back into the Old Testament. Praying, God, what would you have us do? He directed my heart here. And I'm excited about this study. Now... It's two chapters, so that ought to get you excited. (laughs) 
That means we're only going to be in it half a year. So, yeah, maybe nine, maybe nine months. That's probably more like it. No. All right, with that said, today's study is entitled, Consider Your Ways. Consider Your Ways. Now, I'm going to put up on the screen the Scriptures, but please, if you have a copy of the Scriptures, follow along as well, and you may want to highlight as, as well. Notice, if you would, in the Word of God. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheotil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Now, if you don't mind, Junior, could you follow along as I read because uh, I don't have my glasses out yet. And so if you will click that as we go forward. There they are. Thank you very much. And I can pay attention here and you can pay attention there. Notice verse 4. Or I'm sorry, verse, verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? In this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the grounds brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, the son, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I'm with you, says the Lord, 
So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Father God, I pray this morning that as we open up this new book study, that you would speak to us, that the Holy Spirit would deliver His message, that our hearts will be drawn nearer to you in worship. Lord, I pray that you will search all of us, search all of our ways. Let us consider our ways before you, God. And if there be a way that we're going in any direction that's not from your leadership, Lord, help us to repent and be right and pleasing in your eyes. Lord, unite our hearts in fellowship. Unite our hearts in direction under your headship according to your word for your glory and our good. We thank you for your truth and we thank you for this time today. In Jesus' name, amen. Haggai, need a little background information to better understand what's going on here in this book. So we're going to kind of go through a few of these things and help maybe lay some foundational understanding. So you'll recall the people of Israel, they had been in captivity for 70 years in Babylon. And again, this was due to their rebellion. They had been given the promises of the promised land. You can go all the way back and think about how God had set them free, led them out. The, the spies go into the land and say, hey, take, check this land out, you know, and ten of them come back and say, oh man, we can't do it. These guys are huge. We're like grasshoppers. They're going to kill us. And the, and the naysayers, you know, there was a bunch of them. And there's two guys that had faith and said, no, man, we can take this because we knew God had led us here and the promises of God outweigh the majority and the minority for that matter. And you recall, though, they ended up disobeying God and they wandered in the desert for 40 years. And, and so we see all the issues that happen. And then they're in the land. And then we see the Babylonian captivity. And that's where they've been for 70 years when we get to the book of Haggai. And now the, uh, the, the, the Persians have come in uh, and overtaken the uh, Babylonians. And so upon that uh, new empire taking over, where the Babylonians had been ruling and reigning, the king makes a decree to allow the Jewish people, after 70 years, to go home. And not only does that king set them free to go home, he tells them to go home and rebuild their land. Again, we studied through Nehemiah. Go back and listen to Nehemiah as a cupbearer, and you'll recall some of the things that was told there. And so they go back, and they begin to rebuild, and they rebuild to start to work on the temple. And so... As they go back, again, remember, the Persians had conquered the Babylonians. By the way, that happened around 539 B.C., but by 538 B.C., this is where we see Cyrus the Persian looking at Ezra. If you want more history on this as well, more background, study the book of Ezra. He allowed them to return, again, to their homeland under the civil leadership of Zerubbabel. You'll see this key player in Scripture in, in this time frame as well. And the spiritual guidance of Joshua, he was the high priest during that time. Um, there was about 50,000 Jews that returned. And again, 
539, the decree of 538, they've been back in the land a couple of years, by 536 B.C., all right, a couple of years in the land, they've stopped working, what's going on? Again, read Ezra, read Nehemiah, you'll get a picture of some of this stuff. They began to rebuild the temple, you see this in Ezra 3, 1 through 4 through 5, and opposition from without and from within caused the work to break up. Haggai, Zechariah, were called by the Lord to, number one, rebuild and to reprioritize. That was the command. That was what they were supposed to be doing. And they started off good. They started off real good doing this. But something happened. Here's an outline if you're taking notes. You want to know where this is going. Um, <clears throat> chapter 1 we're going to be looking at today. And we're going to be looking at the disregard of God's instruction. There was a disregard by God's people on the instruction of God's truth. And the, the reason, we'll see, I'm just cut through the chase, was apathy. The people had grown apathetic. And we saw this in what we just read. That complacency, that apathy had set in. They were more concerned with their own desires than that of doing what God's desire was. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Remember that from Judges? That's kind of the same idea that was going on here. Right? Um, and so, we see that happening. Chapter 2, we're going to get into... Uh, Lord willing, next week, and that'll be discouragement. Uh, we're going to see the disappointment that had set in amongst the people. Uh, again, they were discouraged. There was disappointment amongst the people. Why? Again, we'll see from the Word of God why that happens when we move from apathy and, and displacence and, 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 get, and disregard the things of God. We grow discouraged. There's disappointment. And then uh, we'll see... In chapters, the second part of chapter 2, 10 through 23, we're going to see defilement. And we're going to focus on what happens when sin is in the camp. It affects more than just one. And so that was happening here in this time period. And so that needs to be addressed as well. And so this is an outline of, of the book. As you can see, it's a short book. So... We'll see how far we get, but this is the plan as of right now. All right, so here's uh, part one. This is where we're going today, all right? In, in our study today, we're going to look at consider your ways. We're going to look at the people, verses 1 through 4. You'll see all the key players there in the Scripture. You can go ahead and look down there, and you'll see these, these uh, key players that are laid out for us. We're going to also look at, in verses 5 through 11, the priority. What was supposed to be the priority? What was God's people supposed to be doing? Church, as we go through this, we've got to ask ourselves the question because we're representing... Now, Old Testament is given for our example. There's much we can learn here. We've got the people. We've got all the players, right? What's our priority? Church, what's our priority? And so we need to think about this and answer that question. We need to consider our ways. What is our priority, church? And then we're going to look at the penitence which is a fancy word for repentance. 
We're going to see how they repented in verses 12 through 15. They began to actually obey what God had told them to do in the first place, and we see what happens as a result. That was an amen. So let's start with the people. Now, to start with the people, I'm going to, I'm going to, let's look at this first verse, but I want us to focus on some key dates as we read this first, first verse and consider some people. Chapter 1, verse 1, notice what it says. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month. All right, if you tuned out, tune back in. What if I were to ask you, it was the fourth year, everybody following? Listen, it's the fourth year of President Trump in the sixth month, the first day of that month. What's the date? Say it loud. June 1st. Wow, you guys are Bible geniuses. It doesn't take a whole lot of math to figure out what I gave you that information, right? Guess what the Bible just gave you? The Bible just gave you a historical record, right? So, let's unpack this. You say, what does this have to do with anything? This is good stuff. The Jews operated on a calendar system. There was actually four... New Year's. This is where it gets a little confusing. Just hang with me. There's two calendars. Everybody say two calendars. Two calendars. Four New Year's. Four New Year's. All right. Here's here's what it looked like. There was the sacred calendar, and that was what governed the priests, the holy men of Israel. They followed the sacred calendar. Then you had the government officials, which were typically kings and governors, and they followed the civil calendar. All right? You'll see the New Year's. Tishri was the New Year for the priest. For the kings and governors, that New Year was marked with Nisan, not the car. Um, But then they also had two other New Year's they would celebrate. The Jewish people celebrated the New Year of trees because trees operate on a new cycle, right? At a different cycle. Then animals, animals have a different cycle as well. And so this is how they would mark their calendars and their New Year's. When we read this scripture, who wants to guess what calendar's in play? Remember the verse we just read? Were y'all asleep? Civil. Good. Civil calendar. So now I know, because we're, you know, we're all smart people here, that just like we figured out the math on Donald Trump, president, four years in, six month, day one, we can do the same here. Because we've got historical documents outside of Scripture. All right? We know that the Medes and the Persians ruled and reigned. We know the Babylonians. There's lots of historical information outside of Scripture that establish timelines, that establish dates. But we also have that internal evidence that gives us this as well. So again, with some smart people, we just figure it out. We just do the math. We look at the calendar. We figure it out. Guess what? If you have your Bibles, I want you to mark down these dates. Four key dates. Chapter 1. Look at verse 1. I'm going to read it again. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month. That's August 29th, 520 B.C. That's pretty cool. 520 B.C., August 29th. 
We know this to be the case. We also know this to be the case because of, again, what's getting ready to happen in the festivals and, and, and this, you know, because again, all this, the Jewish holidays and celebrations are marked. As, and so we know this is happening. The text is going to unfold it as well. If you have your Bibles, mark this one. Chapter 1, verse 15. So we get to the end of our study today and we see, verse 15, on the 24th day of the sixth month. In the second year of King Darius, mark right there, September 23rd, 520. We get into chapter 2. Kelsey ought to be able to remember this, her and Alex, this, this date. I know I can, it's my birthday. Good day. October, I wasn't born in 520 B.C., shut the jokes. I saw you thinking I didn't say it was my father-in-law's. I'm just kidding. I love you. No more in-law jokes. All right, October 17th, 520. That's what we see when we read the Scripture. What does it say? On, in the seventh month, on the 21st of the month. Guys, this isn't that hard. You, you, we can go through and do this math. And then there's a fourth one we'll see. December 18th, 520. B.C. Now, why in the world did pastor waste all that energy and time on this? I asked myself the same thing at first. But here's what I think is important. First off, God doesn't leave out a detail in this. This is important. If he, if he thought it was important enough to include in his word and it's God-breathed, then it's important for us to pay attention. First thing I notice when I see this is from August 29th, the end of summer, fall and the beginning of winter. That's when this unfolds. How long? Well, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off on that. This story unfolds in a matter of months. And I think as we unpack we'll understand why these dates are important. Why are these dates important? Many people are asking, why are these dates important? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Well, when they were told to go back, and when were they told to go back and rebuild the temple? There's your answer. I put it up there for you. They were told in 539, 538 B.C., go back home. Right? King told them, go back home. The priests, the governors... All the leadership of the people said, under the direction of God, said, go and rebuild the temple. Where did God start? He started with the leadership. He started with them and instructed them on what to tell the people. Notice what the people are saying, though. What were the people saying in our text today? Everybody look. Don't take my word for it. It's recorded here. Everybody follow along. Back in, the, in Haggai. Verse. Let's, let's go back at the verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheotil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak. Who was he? 
He was the high priest. Saying, thus speaks the Lord of hosts. Saying. So by the way, who's saying this? Who's saying this? God's saying this. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time's not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, You can circle that word, there's a lot of says and sayings here. It is time, or I'm sorry, is it time? Notice what Haggai the prophet asked the people. Is it time for you yourselves? to dwell in your panel houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore thus, circle that one, says the Lord of hosts. Consider your ways. So, here's what's happening, guys. God gave clear instruction through the king. And he made a decree. God's been working through all of his people because how many times have his, his remnant been praying? This was impossible. They've been in Babylon for 70 years. They ain't going home. Their place is desolate and in ruins. It ain't getting built. It ain't happening. Oh, yes, it is. Because this is part of God's plan. And so what does God do? He raises up a king who overthrows the Babylonians. And then he moves on his heart to make a decree so that the governor, the priests, can instruct the people. And so God's plan begins. And the people get back in the land and they start off good. They start doing good. And then all of a sudden, opposition. The enemy shows up. Not just from without, but from within. And now all of a sudden, the building stops. Hmm. How long has it been? How long has it been? 16 years. Now, now again, put yourself in the context. You think pandemic's rough? You think people's been laid off? They've been 70 years outside their land as prisoners in a pagan society and now they're back in their homeland and they begin to do some exciting things for God's honor and God's glory and it's hot, it's summer, it's August 29th. You been to Israel in the summer? I ain't, but I hear it's hot. I know it's hot in eastern North Carolina in August, but I hear it's hot in Israel in late August. They're miserable, right? I mean, I can understand why they feel the way they feel, but feelings don't trump facts. And the facts are, God sent you home, God set you free to do something, and He told you what to do, and you're not doing it. And it's been 16 years, and you say, well, it's just not time. It's just not the right time. Now's not the time. We ain't got the resources. We, we, we got the time. My house is still... Look, man, I'm, I'm just now putting up some, some nice stucco in my house. I got to finish that project first. I ain't got time. I do what I can. Do, do y'all not see the example? 16 years. 
And their excuse is the time's not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. <laughs> Wrong answer! You know, one thing I see here too is that God, when I look at this, and He lays out specific peoples, and He lays out specific order in which how His Word came. I see order. Guys, you want to know what's going on in the world today? You want to know why the world's upside down? Because there's... And this is what my, the message last week was about um, in, in regards to a house or, or a united we stand, divided we fall. Um, the point behind that message was we look around at the world, and guys, the home has been destroyed. What was attacked? The authority structure of the home. There's no fathers in 70 plus percent of some of the homes. And we wonder why society is the way society is. We look at the school system, and the, the authority has been disrespected and removed so the teachers can't even conduct a classroom. They, 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 their hands are tied. Teachers, amen? You can't do a whole lot nowadays with the, the distractions and the disruptions. The authority in their school systems has been attacked. The authority structure, not only in the home, but in the government. We're in a divided government. You can't get anything done because the authority structure has been assaulted and a house divided cannot stand. And so last week, it was more of like an oil change. I had, a, I had some texts and... You know, was everything all right, Pastor? Was you know, and I appreciate that, and so I need to probably apologize that if, if that gave a wrong message, that was preventative. I go get my oil changed in my car as a preventative because I don't want the engine falling apart, right? That message is a preventative for us. If we're not careful, the same assault that happened in the home, that's happening in the classrooms, that's happening in our government, is going to happen in our church. And so we got to be like the four oxen, right? You know, back it up and let's guide each other's back. we got to see the enemy for who the enemy is. You're not the enemy. I'm not the enemy. There is an enemy who wants to attack God's authority because it's all about God's authority, God's structure in, in society and in the universe. God's a God of order. And whenever you move those pieces out and you try to assert or try to put into play man's wisdom, it will fail every time. And so we've got to be careful. We've got to see with spiritual eyes. That was what the message was about last week. Okay, so hopefully that kind of clears the air a little. But it's been 16 years that they've been home. Now, again, here were the groups of people. You've got Haggai the prophet. You've got Zerubbabel, the governor. You've got Joshua, the high priest. And you've got the people, the remnant. And you're going to see this through each chapter along the way. And so that's important for us to, to note as we, as we go through there. All right? So then notice. Notice what happens here. Okay? The word of the Lord came by Haggai. This was what he was sent for. This was why God had him there. God called him there. That was God's plan. That was God's purpose. Right? Notice. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? That's a fair question, isn't it? Think with me, church. What were the people doing? They weren't doing what God asked them to do. And I'm sure in their minds they were justified. Isn't that all of us? 
Aren't we all guilty? Well, I know what I should be doing as a follower of Christ. I know He's given me the great commission to go and make disciples. You know, I, I know that He's given us His instructions. I know that He functions in order. I know what... But... I've got things I've got to do. I've got to focus on my kingdom right now. Now, we don't say that. But this is an example for us. We're no different, guys. If we're not careful, we lose sight of what is our purpose? What is our priority? So, the priority. Verses 5 through 11. Let's look at the text. Verses 5 through 11. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You sow much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're filled with drink. You're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now therefore, the Lord of hosts says, consider your ways. Guys, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Hudson Taylor said that, missionary to China. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. You remember in Matthew 6, 33, his disciples were being sent out and they were a little concerned, you know, well, should, I, should I pack a bag lunch, you know? Should I bring an extra pair of shoes? You know, what, how should I pack for this trip? You know, you ladies can relate to that, you know? Uh, me and Zach in our house are the overpackers, but that's all right. We like fashion. I'm just kidding. Guys, it, it's Matthew 6, 33, Jesus answers, he says, look, don't worry about these things. The Gentiles worry about, well, I'm going to have something to eat. I'm going to have a house to sleep in. I'm going to... Don't worry about that. The Gentiles worry about those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. These things will be added unto you. What is concerning you, church? What is concerning you? I've got to pay these bills, preacher. I've got to get this done. I've got to, I've got to get this project. I've got, to, I've got to work. I've got to do all these. What is consuming you? Is that what God has called us to? Now, we all got to work. We all got to do what we got to do. But is Christ at the center of it? What is your priority? Because I'm telling you, where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. You want to know what your treasure is? Where's your heart? What do you value in life? And usually you can tell what people value in their life by what they spend their time doing. And yet God has called us to do much for His namesake. God has called us to labor for His namesake. God says, basically, when I give you a job to do and you're not willing to do it, then I will dry up your resources. That's what he, that's what he told his people here, right? Again, don't take my word for it. Read the scripture. That's what he basically says. He says, hey, I give you a job to do. You're not willing to do it. Then I'm going to dry up your resources. 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains that bring wood. Build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. That's what He said. Spend your effort. Spend your focus. Spend your attention. Make that your priority. The things of God. You looked for much, but indeed came to little. And when you, bought, and when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts. Because my house that is in ruin. Well, every one of you runs to his own house. We're more concerned with our own interests than the things of God. And that's the problem, 101. We're more concerned with our own household, our own houses, our own world. We're limited in our selfish worldview. We don't see the full and big picture that God has called us to, church. And that's what these people were struggling with. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds the fruit. Who called for it? Verse 11, who called for it? This is God. He says, For I called for a drought on the land, and the mountains on the grain, and the new wine, and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. We talked about it last week, you know, the principle in Second Chronicles, if my people called by my name will humble themselves, pray, they'll turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, right? He said, I will hear and I will heal their land. And I'm not a very smart guy. I went to a school called Farmer. But I'm smart enough to know that maybe part of our problem as a whole is that we have forgotten what God called us to do. I remember after 9-11, when the planes hit the building, Jerry Falwell came out and made some statement. And boy, he got crucified. They, the media took him to task because he said it's because of you know, homosexuals, it's because of abortion, it's because of... And it hit all the social ills of society that that's judgment of God upon the nation. He came back after getting hammered and he, he, he made an a, a amendment to the statement. He said, I left off one important group the sleeping church. And to that I said, wow. Guys, we're the ones that have been given the commission. We're the ones that are called by God's name. We're the ones that have been given the light, the lamp. We're the salt of the earth. We're the ones that are supposed to be taking this message to the world. You and I. We're supposed to be building the house of God. And I'm not talking walls. I'm not talking a structure. I'm talking the spiritual house of God. That's people. That's me and you. And God's given us everything we need to do it. Everything we need to do it. He owns a thousand hills and the cattle own the thousand hills. He owns it all. He says, do what I tell you to do and I'll take care of you. He told the Old Testament saints that. He, he told the New Testament saints that. He told his disciples when he sent them out that. Church, I can say it loud and clear. He'll tell you that today too. God is awesome. He doesn't need you to be awesome. He wants you to be obedient. I saw this quote this week and I'm like, oh my goodness! 
Oh, wow. Yes. Moses. But, but I, I, I can't talk. Now, maybe it wasn't quite that bad, but what does the Scripture say? Yeah. Moses had a stuttering problem. Some people would say, that's not the guy you want to be a leader. And that's okay. Moses, I'm going to be with you. Guys, it's not about the person, it's about the position. But more importantly, it's about the power behind the position. And God is awesome. You don't have to be awesome. I don't have to be awesome. Wow, that's freeing. Hallelujah, because I stink, man. I am lousy. I can't even tie my shoes half the day. Well, I usually just slip them on, that's why I said that. They're already tied, for those of you. The point is, guys, it, it's not about you. It's not about me. But it is about God's word. It is about God's structure. It is about God's authority. Because when authority is attacked, it's God who's attacked. Not the people. The people are not the problem. It's the enemy behind the people. That's the problem. Ask Peter when you get to heaven. Seriously. Think about it for a second. Who in here would not want a friend? If the riding or something was going to come to your house, who in here would not want a friend that says, dude, they ain't coming to your house, bro. I got you back. You know, I'll fight with you, man. I'm going to fight with you. They ain't going to take you. We would all agree that's the kind of friend. I mean, you would want a friend that's going to stand up and fight for you. We all would agree with that. Well, wait a minute. That was the motive of Peter. I think that was a genuine motive. I think he was authentic in his desire to want to take care of his friend Jesus. But Jesus said, Oh, get thee behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of man. It made sense in Peter's mind. It makes sense in my mind when I hear the story. I, want, I would want somebody... If I knew I'm getting ready to be taken and, and beaten and, and crucified and all the things that... I would... Personally, I can understand why that would... Hey, that seemed like a good friend. Guys, God doesn't work the way you and I work. Sometimes it's, it's, it's mysterious. Sometimes, And trust me, the fact that he calls a guy from Farmer who used to be a heathen, wicked, sick sinner to do what I'm doing? Oh my goodness. No. But wait a minute. You, you'll be with me. It's not my word or way. I just need to follow your word in your way. And you'll be with me. You'll help me. You'll never leave me. And you'll never forsake me? Well, if God be for me, who can be against me? Guys, we've got to be strengthened in our faith. We gotta wake up from apathy. We gotta be alert to God is awesome. And I don't have to be. That's okay. Woo! I can just skip on down the road and do Jesus' work. 
God is good. Amen? So that brings the penitence. Notice what happens when God's people begin to understand this. They begin to see how God is working. They get pricked to the heart because consider your ways. By the way, good question because now they've got to introspect. Now I've got to think about it. Well, it has been 16 years. That was kind of a dumb answer. We just ain't got the time right now. It's been 16 years. Look, if you date a guy for 16 years, girls, and he doesn't ask you to marry him, uh-uh. No. Girls, take note. All right, That guy ain't even coming to my door. All right, I mean, really, though? And yet, God says, do this. So, here's the penitence. Notice when the people obeyed. Uh, then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheotil, verse 12, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people. Notice again, here's all those groups. From the top to the bottom, they all obeyed. Every one of them. The voice of the Lord, their God, and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord, their God, had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I'm with you says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheotil, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord, of hosts their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius, September 23rd, 520 B.C. Top to bottom, they were like-minded. They were the same judgment. You know why the early church grew? They were in one accord. They were like-minded. Let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. Look, I've got my opinions. I try my best not to share my opinions a whole lot. But I got them, right? We all got them. I'd rather, I'd rather God bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And guys, that's, that's a sanctification that will forever be at work in my heart and mind until the Lord returns. But how important is this? They all obeyed the voice of the Lord. They all obeyed the voice of the Lord. They followed the leadership of Haggai because God had sent him. That's what the Scripture says. That's what the Scripture says. I, I plead with you guys in understanding this. In a world when, when leadership all across America is being ripped and destroyed, Left and right, it's already happened in the home. It's already happening in the school system. And it's trying to come soon to a neighborhood church near you. We can't be like the world. We can't think like the world. And, and one day, this pastor, this person won't be here. But somebody will. And you better pray that the person who comes behind this pulpit is a man of God who desires to do things God's way. Not with every whim of how the wind's blowing. Not just because the people want to do something. 
That man has to have conviction. He has to have strength to stand behind the Word of God to know that it doesn't matter if he's not a good leader. It doesn't matter if he's not awesome. Because God's awesome. And that's sufficient. That's good enough. And we've got to support the position, not always the person. Do you understand what I'm saying? Try this on the drive home if you get pulled over by a state trooper. Now, we, today, we live in a society where people could care less and they're just disrespecting God's authority that's been put in play. But most of us, with any two brain cells, it doesn't matter when the state trooper pulls you and puts on his cool hat and walks up the way he walks up. Because you know, man, that's like intimidating. I don't know about you. Look, I used to get really scared when I was uh, doing some bad stuff. Oh, hide it, get rid of it. No, whatever. Um, but now I'm not breaking the law, and I'm still like, oh, blue light prayer, blue light prayer. Oh. But it does not matter if that officer who comes up to my window with his flashlight, license registration, does it really matter that he's cheating on his wife? Now, it matters in a moral sense to me and you, and, and, and it should for him. But I'm saying in the, in the position that he is in, would that, Your Honor... I, I call for dismissal. He's cheating on his wife. How do you plead guilty to 135? He's cheating on his wife. It's irrelevant. No, we, we honor the position because God designed the position. Now, God will deal with the man if he's immoral and cheating on his wife. That's where we commit to him who judges righteously. Now, I might want to give him a gospel tract and say, hey, brother, you need to stop that business. Let me, let me give you something to read. Definitely I'm getting a ticket if I do that, but that's fine. <laughs> if I'm doing 135, I'm getting it anyway. <laughs> Y'all going to be doing some jail visits. But my point is this, guys. God is a God of authority, and God is a God of order, and God is a God of structure. And we're seeing it being torn down all around us. Guard our hearts. Consider our ways. The people feared knowing God was in it. You know why God was in it? Because it's God's Word. That's how you can know. The authority of Scripture must always be our foundation. The, 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 the idea of what motivates us in life, what should give us guidance, it's the authority of Scripture. God cannot lie. God does not change. The authority of Scripture is our foundation it doesn't matter if I like it, don't like it. What does God's Word say about it? It doesn't matter if it's my preference or not my preference. It doesn't matter if it's my philosophy or not my philosophy. What does God's Word say in helping us sort through? And a lot of times, that depends upon where, who, circumstances. I mean, it, it, but the principle doesn't change. The truth doesn't change. And so we need to understand that. So, God comforts them with His abiding presence. Church, can I encourage you this morning? God will comfort you with His abiding presence when we walk by faith, not by sight. When we trust God in His revealed truth, in His Word, in His way, that's when God will bless you. Us. That's how God worked. God's Word 
Again, go through here and highlight these things. God's Word, God's Spirit stirred their spirit. Community Baptist Church, we want to wake up from apathy. God's Word, God's Spirit stirring our spirit to obedience. That's how we will be blessed in a world that's coming unhinged and the wheels are falling off. And we must stand firm on that authority of Scripture. God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said it in the Old Testament. He said it in the New Testament multiple times. That's a promise. That's a promise. And so when God lovingly appealed to His people in Haggai's day, get back to the task I called you to. I'm going to bless you. I'm with you. Don't worry about the enemies. Don't worry about the enemies without or within. Just know I'm with you. Let's get our eyes on Christ. Let's get back to the mission He's called us to. Let's get focused on the job that He's asked us to do, and that's building the household of faith. Because, guys, unless the Lord builds, we labor in vain. But God's Word, God's way, we don't got to be awesome. He's awesome. We just got to be obedient. Conclusion and application. So what do we make of all this in chapter 1? Um, and again, I invite you to go, you will in your care groups tonight, and, and encourage you to be a part uh, of those care groups uh, because uh, it should be some good, good discussion, uh, some good time reflecting on this. So here's the conclusion and application. Think about what we've talked about. In less than three weeks, this is why I wanted you to mark those dates. At the beginning of chapter 1, what was the date? Everybody look at your notes. August 29th. Three weeks later, what's the date? September 24th. In three weeks, God begins to change everything. In three weeks. Hey, he could have done it fast. He could have spoken. But look, he, he, again, he wanted the people to hear his voice. He wanted the people to give a chance to respond. He wanted them to have time to reflect on the truth. And blessing always follows obedience. That's what we get out of chapter 1. That's what we get out of chapter 1. You know what else we get? What was the people's problem again? Say it, nice and loud. What was the people's problem? Self. What else? Apathy. They were apathetic, right? Um, apathy. That was their problem. Question. What's the cure for apathy? Based upon what we learn, obedience. Lost the joy of your salvation? Not excited about the things of God? Apathetic? Can I encourage you this morning? God's with you. He's not left you. Come back to Him. Remember what He said to the church? Be zealous and repent. Come back to your first love. Because we got to see with spiritual eyes what God's called us to do. Church, it's time that we consider our ways. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth and the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I recognize with the assault from without that's raging in a crazy world that's just lost its mind. Lord, I pray that within the body of Christ that we continue to look to you, our head, our Lord. Because I believe, Lord, it's a time of purifying for your people. I believe it's a time for us to yield, surrender to your word, to your way. Help us, Lord, to return to what's priority. Help us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added to us. Don't let the side issues distract me to to waver in what you've called us to do as followers of Christ. And I'm reminded today, you're with us. You'll never leave us. And you'll never forsake us. May hearts around this room be encouraged as they consider their ways, as they reflect upon what are some things in in their own life that they need to lay aside, lay down. Lord, what are the things in my life that I have to lay aside and lay down for for your name's sake? Let me to trust you, Lord. Lead me to just have confidence in your word and your way. Help me not to lean unto my own understanding, but in all my ways acknowledge you. And you promised you would direct my, my steps. And so, Lord, that's my prayer today for Community Baptist Church, for those listening and watching online. It will simply be yielded to your will, your way. May we rest and trust in you. And Lord, we pray in closing that if there be anyone here as a visitor, if there be anyone watching online that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, Lord, their greatest need today is the need to repent and believe. Jesus Christ came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost. We're all sinners. We're all lost. We've all gone astray. We're all like that sheep that's wandered away. And Lord, your word reminds us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if we got what we deserve, we deserve hell. But you sent your son, Jesus Christ, your only begotten son, into this world that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so, Lord, if there is someone who's never repented of their sin and put their faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Lord, let them turn right now from their sin. Let them call out to the only name under heaven given amongst men by which to be saved. Lord, let them call upon the mighty name of Jesus Christ that their sins could be forgiven and forever removed as far as the east is from the west. In this still moment right now, Lord, from their heart, may they just call out to you, Lord, I'm a sinner and I know I need a Savior. I put my faith and trust in Christ alone for that salvation. Save me, Jesus. By faith, I receive you. I receive your payment on my behalf. And Lord, I pray you'll give them the comfort of your abiding presence that they'll know that they are forever a child of the King. Help us now as we go into our business meeting to follow.
Lord, may they be a spirit of peace and unity as we look to follow you and your leadership. And Lord, be glorified in us and through us in a dark day when the light can shine the brightest. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.